Welcome to Greenish. We're a sustainability podcast that talks about the ways that we can leverage our power individually and collectively to help save our planet. Now, we're not perfect, we're not scientists, and we don't expect you to change your whole life. But that's okay. We're doing this imperfectly and we're doing it together. So hopefully, you'll learn some tools along the way and integrate those things into your life. In last week's episode, we interviewed eco-psychologist and psychedelics researcher Azul Del Grasso about coping with climate anxiety with and without psychedelics. And so you have an experience with this compound without the ego. And in that process, when you can remove the ego and you can look at nature and you can look at society and self, you know, for me, that's part of the work that reconnects. After meeting and learning so much from Azul, Cecily, Bethany, and myself, Caitlin, all decided to go out into nature and have an intentional journey of our own. This week's episode is a conversation that we had two days after our journey. If you yourself have ever struggled with climate anxiety, or if you're just super curious about mushrooms, this episode's for you. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Cecily. Hello, Hello. Bethany. Do you guys feel like different people? <laughs> just me? Mm, I'm glad that you do. I feel a little transformed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, transformed is a good word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is weird because it was, we made a big point of talking about how I've never taken mushrooms. And then during, I didn't feel at all like anything was that different for me. I felt like we were all on a very similar journey, similar wavelength. I didn't feel like insecure, or I'm a freak, or I'm my mind is blown, you guys are being cool. But now I feel like the weird one because I'm kind of reeling, and you guys both seem to have known what to expect the next day. And I was like high and low the next day. I can see that. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to kind of come back to reality a little bit. And with all of this new insight that you've gained, um, the world doesn't feel as bright as it did before. Uh, but it in a really good way. I think I think with some of the insight that you've you've gleaned from these experiences, you're able to, you know, go about your life in a much more mindful way. Yeah. What was I, I think even during the trip, I was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt the last couple of days is like, oh, all the stuff that is all in my face without me regulating it, it is all shit that doesn't matter. Right. Which is huge to think about in general too, honestly, because we do get so caught up in things that really at the end of the day don't matter. <laughs> I mean, they don't. <laughs> You're going to forget about them tomorrow or next week or, you know. Yeah. And I felt panicked that I wasn't going to remember everything. And that is kind of sad. Yeah. I feel like I've accepted a lot of those parts now when doing psychedelics but I know the feeling you're talking about because the first time I did them I I just wanted to do it again and is every time so different that it's not like you can recreate anything about the first time and get those messages or not necessarily you can definitely kind of can not control your trip but you can lean into similar directions and I get the same feelings, you know, in my body and my mind when it's on setting or when it's coming on. I know what's happening and the trees do similar things. Usually, obviously, the colors and all that stuff's different, but there's a lot of similar, it's a similar world, I think, that you enter into. And sometimes it's a little bit brighter and sometimes it's a little bit darker. And I would agree with that. yeah. 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 To take a step back and catch up our audience, we had a great conversation with Azul after our more pointed interview conversation we had another discussion on 
logistically how the three of us might go out and go on a journey together. He gave us some tips and uh, he directed us to a really beautiful, perfect place geographically so that we had kind of all, all that we needed. I mean, we did some preparation. I kept thinking that we needed to pack a bunch of certain things and basically layers was all everyone kept saying. And that turned out to be extremely true that we just needed layers. I was really concerned that we hadn't eaten before and that we didn't really have a lot of food, but the little gift bag that we were given that had chocolate and grapes and walnuts, and we were told to eat them in that order afterwards, couldn't have been more perfect. Um, but we headed out and the action items and the, what I want to say, the like lit, the, the order, ritual, yeah. you know, the order of events was really helpful. I can't imagine taking mushrooms in a situation like a party or a concert or a busy place or even anywhere that's not in nature after this experience. I feel like, why would you do that and like waste this opportunity to connect with the earth and with people who you want to connect with? Mm -hmm. um, but we went out there and we found this beautiful spot. The colors were all around us. They're kind of changing. And I mean, you didn't need anything to enhance what a gorgeous place this was but it was really powerful it was a great spot and we threw a blanket down on some rocks and I felt like this beach was so perfect and we hesitated about the rocks and then it turned out that the rocks were a really important part of my journey especially yeah then we sat in a circle and we had a couple of questions and do you remember the exact wording of the questions that we sat down and meditated and then answered and then we each discussed what was alive for us right now so um in other words kind of what's coming up for you in life right now and then second we um all shared our intentions with this journey so what is your intention um going on this medicine journey and so we all took turns sharing and conversing about our intentions and where we're at in life right now, which was a, I think that's a really bonding way to start the experience too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I vaguely remember kind of what I put out there as my intention, but what I've been thinking about for the last couple of weeks was a lot about the energy I spend thinking about the planet or worrying about anything and wanting to, I don't want to use the word control. Um, but to let go of some things and make room by letting go of just anxiousness, making room for really good things, whether it's doing more or doing less or having a different attitude or having different relationships or better relationships. I wanted to let go of what I was saying, I think is a lot of climate anxiety, not because it's not something to worry about, but because I want to make space for something really fruitful. Yeah, I remember um, when I shared some of the things that I was going over about what is alive for me and what my intention is. Um, there's a lot of per a lot of personal things. Boundaries have been really coming up for me. Some like working on setting boundaries with people um, in myself and um, doing that in a loving way and not feeling guilt for it so I was looking for that and another thing that I was really focusing on was connection um, when you're having that type of experience you get the opportunity to really connect with yourself and therefore everything else um, and everyone else you're with and it's just a very deep feeling um, so I definitely had that as an intention and just working on loving myself which I think 
is, yeah, that's just something that I'm really working on right now and giving myself grace and doing the same for other people also. Just love giving them love and grace for their experience. For me, I think what was alive in that present moment was my desire to really become a more action-oriented person. For me, uh, I spend a lot of time in this creative headspace and in connection. I think being able to connect with you guys, being able to connect with the place and setting where we were was super important. We all had a lot of gratitude too. We all had really strong feelings of already being aware of what a beautiful place we were in and what a gift that we had this time and that we were together and being together with people, especially since COVID and quarantine, like just being in a, being in a group where you can touch one another, like have hugs. We don't take it for granted in this space and time, I would say. And we did all have a lot of gratitude and I had no fear. None, none. Mm -hmm. It felt it felt really uh, normal for us. It wasn't something that I don't think any of us were fearful of. No, and I think that we were all, not only are we starting this venture together, but we're all having really deep conversations before this even started, which definitely bled into the experience. But we were in a really good space together, I think. Mm-hmm. And one, I think maybe Cecily or Azul had said, and you relayed to us that, our journey had already started from the moment we maybe. said maybe we could do this together, that our thoughts and the universe and that all these little things were coming into motion. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's super sweet that he said that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then after you could see how mm-hmm. every piece like just and that's how life is in general, like everything just bled like together perfectly. Like, it was all laid out. I don't know. What did he say? It was divine timing. Yeah. Yeah. And even going without an official guide or facilitator, I feel like he prepared us to do all of this on our own. And I I, I didn't feel want for anything that whole time. And now there's nothing I would go back and, and change. In the moment, there was nothing I would change even the, I had nausea right after we ate them, maybe 20 minutes later, I was staying really still and lying down on the rocks. And I was thinking I couldn't get up because I might, I might throw up and I had to <laughs> like be, be really strong and stay still so that that wouldn't happen. And then what happened is I just kept feeling like really connected to the rocks and supported by the rocks and I as time went on a lot of my thinking kept coming back to messages I felt like rocks were giving me and maybe it's partly because it's my first time so I wasn't super adventurous and wanting to go down to the water or walk around or be up I wanted to be really grounded and it served me really well but it also allowed me maybe to be brave and to go into some darker places that I maybe wouldn't have on a first time because everything is so so wildly different it could be unnerving but I didn't feel that way I felt really secure and held yeah good foundation those rocks Mm -hmm. (laughs) I totally agree with that yeah I remember um when Bethany was feeling a little nauseous and I had already started to feel the effects of the mushrooms and so I remember being like no don't throw up but if you have to you can 
but don't because <laughs> like, I just wanted her to come along on the journey for sure. Yeah. And it was, um, I was kind of the, the gatherer of, for the group. There would be things that we wish we could, um, look, look at more, maybe a different rock, for example, definitely a different rock. Um, and I would volunteer to go get it and spent some time by myself in the water. This was my first time going into some really darker places and healing some things directly um, during the experience, which was really cool. Um, I think I just felt very safe. And our conversations we had started having before the journey helped prep. And even afterwards, I kind of said that that was fun too. I, I That sounds like a weird word to explain it. Um, but it was still really fun to get to dive deep into that and have people there who were like kind of feeling volunteering to go there and feel that with you. And I think we all took turns doing that and facilitating for the other person and feeling what they might be feeling. That I wouldn't have expected. A lot of it I wouldn't have expected where even if we all took the same mushroom, the same amount, I wouldn't have expected for us to all kind of be seeing the same things, even objectively, like when we look at a tree or when we look at a rock. And granted, I was, you know, staring deeply into some of these rocks and and perhaps we weren't all doing that at the same time, but generally I felt like nothing I said was crazy. You guys were all right there with me. But mm-hmm. what was very surprising is that even going into my personal trauma or memory that when each of you were there with me, you were really there with me. And the same I felt when, even when you were being silent, Cecily, and I was like, you're in a knot. Is it okay? Do you want to be in a knot? Do you need help coming and knotting yourself? You know, I don't know everything. Because we were all very open, maybe that allowed us to go a lot farther with one another. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that would be the case for everyone. But we were, yeah, we were given like a real gift that we could go to all these places. Yeah, it was like we were just all on this energetic level together that was almost above like communication. It was just almost above even needing to use those words that, and have that vocabulary for everything. We were just able to feel it. That's that's a good way to explain it for me is a lot of things on those on psilocybin is like a feeling for me rather than a word. I just get to, so many of the gifts are feelings and uh, getting to feel things with other people the way that we did was something I hadn't really experienced to that level yet. I, in the moments, which I wouldn't have expected, I felt like my words and my vocabulary were enough and that every message I was feeling coming from either inside of me or coming from rocks or coming from the very air that I was breathing, I had the words and I didn't feel like I was stumbling or stuttering or pausing when I had something I wanted to say, it just flowed out. And every time I swallowed, I was like appreciating how easy it was. Something in my body was all in alignment with speaking and thinking and using these words. Whereas recording with Azul, I was often feeling like, oh, I don't, how could I say that? Or stumbly or taking long pauses and being like, is anyone even going to understand where I'm at, I don't feel like genuinely feeling like I don't have the vocabulary. And granted, the English language lacks a certain level of expression. 
certainly every language might have gaps where it's hard to express, especially when it comes to feelings or consciousness. And it's consciousness is so wild. And in those moments, I wasn't thinking of it academically, but when I was researching before having any experience, I had a little bit more of an academic hat on and hearing the description that when they're watching brain activity, when someone's on psilocybin, it's not that their brain is going crazy with activity. It's actually that this whole default mode network is turned off. And that's basically the ego. And I have been thinking about that since, about how can I turn that off? Is that what happens when you get really good at meditating? Do you potentially not need psilocybin if you were really great at meditating, is that what nirvana and enlightenment feels like? Is that you can see and feel and communicate and it's all very whole without our like worldly selves and all of our crazy thoughts and monkey minds, which I, I we meditated before we started recording today because right before we were recording, I thought, oh no, like our monkey minds are here. Mine is mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm really worried I'm not going to be able to explain all of this, all of this, what feels like really important messages. And it felt that way in the moment. It definitely still feels that way now. And I'm still uncertain if I can either A, remember them or B, if my vocabulary will still be there. Yeah, we were kind of able to see that even with our monkey minds and our, you know, other little things that we do as humans, that that's okay too, though. Sometimes I just get like this feeling of giving myself grace when I'm on mushrooms, because you're just like, oh, you know, maybe I didn't do that perfectly, or maybe, you know, someone hurt me, or maybe I hurt someone else. But all of it kind of seems okay as is. Like, you don't feel the need to rewrite any stories or change things. You just see that it's okay the way it is. Um, I don't know. I think it's part of our human experience, for sure. It's nice to be able to step out of the human experience, for sure. I was really sad. Yeah, it's a very clinging experience. Once you're done, you're just like, you have these little waves and you're just like clinging to them. Like, oh no, it's happening again. I remember at one point there was mosquitoes and bugs and lots of stuff around there and none of them bothered us at all. We were actually appalled at the thought that we kill bugs. We were just mm-hmm. appalled. We were like, how, how would we ever do that? Why would we kill a mosquito or a bug? Like, it's not going to kill us by biting us. So we were just appalled at that idea. And then when we were coming down off of everything, we started swatting at them again. <laughs> and I remember specifically being out loud, oh, no, we're back. Because <laughs> we immediately wanted to get all the bugs off of us and, like, don't work somewhat ruthless. It and makes me want to cry. That, it's so That bad. moment was so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I heard it. I hit a mosquito off of Caitlin. Yeah, I was like, Why did we you started do that? seeing them all again. Like, I mean, I know that more came out because it was getting later, but like, you started caring. Like, oh, there was a mosquito on your head. Like, I have to get it off. And you know, of course, I don't want a mosquito bite on my face. Mm-hmm. What would what would we do? <laughs> well, I think the the important thing to take away from those thoughts is that we do have a lot of effect as humans. There were a few little messages that I think will still translate. An early message was, it's funny to use the term tripping out now because it's a word that a phrase that I would just throw into my vocabulary, but I literally was. Mm-hmm. It was like I was tripping out on the rocks. I was laying 
on them, feeling really held by them, and also thinking about what it would feel like to be a rock and looking at each one and looking at how much history is in a rock and all of these patterns and what they have to say. And I was picking them up and I was like, oh my gosh, well, this, this one wants me to know about who has lived here over, over time. And they, the humans that really belong to this place way before we were here. But I also had this piece about even though those people are not still here, whether it's because of time or whether it's because their civilization was eradicated and this land was stolen, it wasn't sad. It was just a message. It was just that a reminder that we should remember. And that's good. We don't have to wish that we didn't exist. All of this darkness had happened and there's nothing we can do about that right now. But what we can do is remember Mm-hmm. and honor and one rock I was holding and I was like why would we throw a rock at someone this rock does not want to hit anyone in the face no. and I was thinking about throughout history how rocks have been used as weapons or stoning and the phrases we use now about throwing a rock when you live in a glass house or that kind of thing of it's still such a part of our language, even though we might not physically do it very much now. It's maybe other types of weapons. But yeah, they don't want to hurt anyone. It was such a weird... I mean, I, people might jokingly call me a hippie, or maybe they mean it, I don't know. But that is like a level I've never really thought about with rocks. I have empathy with animals, or what I consider a certain level, quote-unquote, of life that I could connect with more easily in my day-to-day, but I've never had feelings like that toward a rock. (laughs) We were totally connecting with this earth and these rocks that happened to be there, and it was really special. I think we mentioned, you know, why do leaves get all these, like, cool phrases, like, turning a new leaf? Why can't we turn a new rock? Yeah, turn over a rock, Mm because each one had a different side. Mm -hmm. And I was really, yeah, enjoying, like the stories on each facet of a rock. I also had this really strong intuition of rocks being very feminine when you really look at them. So many of their curves and marks and shapes. But I do feel like in our language, it tends to be more of a masculine comparison when we talk about rocks, strong or hard or um, something that is used as a weapon as men are in our society. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Lots of, lots of little comparisons to the feminine were, were there for me, which I think are all very true. Both can be true, obviously. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think we had a lot of connections to the divine feminine together. Yeah. Yeah. Before we went out, when we were still with Azul, talking about um, connecting with nature and how he had been in a place in his life where he was living in a very urban setting and was taking a class where they suggested a nature walk and he was one of those students being like oh I can't really do that in my neighborhood I don't have an easy access place to get out and you know really unplug or really be surrounded and the suggestion from a teacher was to go find it and what a powerful experience he had walking out and seeing weeds popping up through sidewalks and in our experience I was thinking about that even connecting with nature by taking a breath Hmm. what an interesting thing that is that we're 
we are having faith every time we breathe all the way out deeply, and especially if we pause and hold at the bottom of a breath, how much faith we have that there's like the planet supporting us and is going to have that breath there for us as soon as we breathe it right back in. And what an interesting practice of trust and how I, I was feeling like this extra high when I would take a deep breath and feel like breathing in part of a shared spirit and I'm holding that in and then I let it out. And by taking a pause at the bottom, I realized like there is enough air for everyone. I want everyone to have enough air. I want to take a pause at the bottom and appreciate my next breath and have faith that it's there. But I also thought about how when things are uncomfortable or when we feel threatened or we feel like something is someone might take something from us. And I think about our culture too. And this um, reflex is to hold our breath and like Mm -hmm. hoard it. Mm -hmm. And how even in our interactions, that doesn't serve us. It doesn't help us to stay calm and to be our best selves when we hold it in our breath and we tense up. But it doesn't help our culture either when you hoard something that's more than you need or you're not trusting that your next meal or your next need will be met, whatever it is. And for those of us who have a lot of security in that way, uh, it, it was kind of a wake up call of, being aware of that in myself and in our culture of if you feel threatened, remind yourself that like there's air on the other side of this breath. Like just let it go because you want everyone at the heart of it. You want everyone to have enough air. Mm -hmm. We don't need to hold our breath and and, and tense up. I don't know if that's translating to people who are not on psychedelics right now, (laughs) but for me that maybe that's a hard one to explain, but it, it was really powerful in the moment. And I was just like loving every breath I was taking and I was loving every swallow I took. I was like, sometimes saying it out loud, like it's so easy to swallow, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like to, 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 yeah, to breathe and to, I don't know. I, I really liked what you said about, um, this shared spirit of the air and, how it truly connects all of us. Yeah, and we were all kind of thinking about the verbiage that we use as humans with the outdoors too. We use the word taking a lot, like taking a breath, taking space, or and stuff like that. And we didn't really like using the word take because it was much more of an exchange. At one point, I kind of wanted to go see the water, which um, is normally not a big deal. But when you're on psychedelics, you like usually don't want your experience or your visuals to change super quickly. Um, it's hard not to get fixated on things. So I ventured over to the water with Caitlin and then she kind of let me be because I just kind of sat in the dirt and put my feet on the stones that were covered in like algae. And there was a lot of like little flies and stuff landing on me. And it was just this huge exchange of like me grounding with these rocks, putting my feet on them, putting my hands on them and them showing me all of this unconditional love in exchange for me just sitting there like letting other bugs and different things land on me and just providing that service for them. It was just a beautiful exchange. And yeah, I didn't really want to leave that space for a while. And at one point I remember being worried that Caitlin and Bethany would be worried that I was gone, even though they could obviously still see me if they wanted to. Um, I felt bad for leaving them because we were so having such a connection, but I was able to kind of let them know that from the water just to be like, I I still love you from over here. Um, And, you know, we're still together, but I can also be by myself and have some profound experiences too. I am just grinning when I 
hear Cecily describe that moment because I was lying there pretty much in the fetal position and incidentally I'd packed all gray so I'm like wearing all gray and I'm curled up on rocks on a gray blanket and I, and I was having this feeling when I was in support of you guys like wandering off for a minute and then I had this wave of what if they don't come back they'll they'll come back if they didn't come back they'd be okay too but they're gonna come back and like I felt that Mm -hmm. communication of um all of a sudden like total peace at closing my eyes and going inward which I kept resisting because it was so beautiful these gorgeous like flickering leaves and the light and everywhere I turned which I was keeping a pretty narrow view because I felt like I could just look deeper and deeper at the same place and see more and more and I was like you said not eager to change my visuals but when I closed my eyes and I was like worried about you guys and then I felt total peace like it's okay I didn't think about whether or not I was actually receiving that energy or or not but I love that that was something you were sending out because I turned in in full faith to some really dark um creeping colors and light and and it wasn't scary um but it was preparing me I think to go to some darker places when you guys came back mm-hmm. and I would not I was not thinking about that before this whole journey I was um I think I expressed maybe a little bit of nerves about like totally letting go or will I be able to do this right will I be able to let go and if I do let go will I be vulnerable and expose something about myself that will make me feel ashamed. And when I, even before going into it, I tried to let go of that because rarely do I have, I opened myself up to, to good people and felt regret after. Usually it's very, very rewarding. And I would say that this was very, very rewarding. Obviously my chest is racing because it was uh, so powerful. And to, I don't want to get to this point too soon, but I want to say that with all this talk about wanting to research climate anxiety and with having that term having resonated with me for years and knowing that I spend way too much of my energy thinking, what's more efficient? If I'm at UPS and I forgot the box to buy a more another box and then I don't have to drive back here, like that carbon in my Prius versus using that recycled box at home should I walk next door to the grocery store and go behind it and find some box that's crushed in the back and I could just get UPS to tape it up for me? Or like, those are the kinds of thoughts I have where I'm trying to do carbon math all the time while living my life, which is, you know, a normal level of modern complicated. And so I think what I realized is that For one, I think we were all drawn to talking about this topic because it's important if we're going to have a whole season searching out people who are doing really great things that we talk about tools that will help us do our own great things or make our own improvements in our own life, but it's all very action-oriented. But it's hard to take action if you're crippled by thoughts and guilt Mm-hmm. or shame about your life because of the, you know, to be alive is to have a carbon footprint. And I realized that in my day-to-day life, of all the different anxieties I struggle with or any trauma that's happened in my life, it's a lot easier to express that I have climate anxiety. It's a lot harder to say, 
I struggle with shit that happened to me when I was a kid. <laughs> like, that's mm-hmm. a lot harder to explain. But it's not unrelated to just general anxiety. And that can manifest by me wanting to hide and put all this energy into climate-related stuff. Because somehow, even though that's very overwhelming and people feel like there's not, nothing I do matters in that realm, well, compared to thinking about childhood trauma, I actually do feel like there's something I can do. When I talk about climate, I'm like, well, I can ride my bike to the farmer's market instead of drive and I bring my bag and I bring my mug and blah, blah, blah. And none of that is changing the world, but it's something I can do and it's easier to do and to talk about than to do the really hard work of dealing with other kinds of anxiety. Yeah. Well, that's a long spiel. No, no I, that, that was great. super important. That's, I think, what we did realize. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we were thinking about how dealing with our shit is pretty hard and how sometimes you have to do that to deal with the other things I it made me think of a couple things it made me think of what Azul said about how like our health is directly correlated with the health of the planet and I think that a lot of people probably struggle to deal with things that happened to them that were really hard I mean we don't have either the vocabulary for it or necessarily a, a certain treatment for what a lot of us have gone through. And so um, that's being reflected in the planet too. So that that was one thing that really stuck out for me. And then I kept thinking about um, Ram Dass's quote. It's, I might be a little off, but it goes something um, like, the best thing I can do for you is to work on me. And the best thing you can do for me is to work on you. And that's what I just kept thinking about in correlation with our personal connections as well as our connection with the earth. Like the best thing that I can do for all of you is to heal those parts of me that are making me maybe leave a a little bit more of a negative footprint and to work on those things and heal those things and then therefore, yeah, come out better and same with everyone else. As a concrete example is a lot of people try to fill the void or avoid pain and in ways that are consumption related. Mm -hmm. So whether we're eating our feelings and you're eating more than you need or whether you're buying more stuff than you need, you're hoarding something, all of those activities are not unrelated. So it's related to the planet and it's related to heart and trauma or relationships. So you're right. Like, dealing with my deepest stuff is probably going to keep me from over consuming and filling those voids or covering them up with another cute vintage dress, <laughs> whatever right. it is, you no, know, if it's so more true. than I need. So um, true. What's making me want it or need it is often, yeah. It's that avoidance. Was, yeah. That is something we didn't like put our fingers on or I don't think, uh, we connected before just now. No, but that's I think really you're right. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just yeah, that was a another revelation. Mm-hmm. Integration. That's mm-hmm. what we were told is it's gonna take a little bit of time of decompressing and then letting this stuff integrate, whether it's writing it down or meditating on it or having conversations. Yeah, I think it takes a while for these messages to really sink in and uh to really live with us. Mm-hmm. That Feminine energy, I think, that we were feeling, especially in relation to the planet and maybe in relation to our shared experiences as as females, they're not exclusive to females. They, Lots of men have been through 
trauma and I do feel like our experience was very meant to be with who was there and the way that we were able to relate to each other but I would imagine that for any dude (laughs) would whether the experiences were similar to ours or not there are people that hurt you and that word take could have been used to explain to describe a lot of our our trauma whether it was some of innocence taken away or childhood taken away or just you feel like someone takes something from you when they hurt you um that word we didn't like and that experience at the water feeling like there was an exchange I was thinking about give and take isn't even really the right word exchange may not even be the perfect word maybe it's to commune with to be in a union with and to be accepted and Communion is a good, a strong word for me. And I think that's how I feel like if I'm taking a deep breath in a meaningful way, like I'm communing with something bigger than myself, but how anyone who's hurting someone else and, and trying to take, they're not getting what they actually want, but that they also are not truly taking anything from you, that we're all very whole and we're all very worthy and that there've been so many beautiful things I can remember um, and give more space for and and letting go of those things now gives more room for beautiful things now and beautiful ways that maybe I can invest in somebody else's childhood and making sure that it's really great. Mm-hmm. But that idea that like, that if I can look at myself and say nothing's been taken and somebody in a conversation already just since yesterday put connected something for me about the planet and like the way that we're living right now is very selfish and we're all trying to fill a void like hurt broken people that we are and we're taking and we we in essence we're not filling that void and that kind of behavior that wants actual communion is not we're not getting that when we buy more stuff or when we eat more stuff or when we drink more we smoke more whatever it is what we really crave is that communion it kind of put me at peace that if that can be true for me, that I am whole, that the planet still is still whole. No matter how much humans have done, the planet is still whole. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me feel kind of hopeful that obviously I want, I want things to turn around and I want carbon to be sequestered in the earth that will help prevent um, irreparable harm because of temperature changes. Like, yes. And that all seems really urgent and very practical, but looking at it spiritually is that the planet doesn't need saving. It's us and it's individually. It's that we're very broken and it's true. What you've already put together, Cecily, is that like healing ourselves is going to be really an important part of healing the planet. Mm -hmm. The taking only hurts us. Yeah, and I think that the the earth wants to be in communion with us and it would love to provide for us given that it's a communion, like you said, Bethany. It's not us taking without permission, which is what we currently do. I mean, I think about it even before we ate these mushrooms, for example, before you eat anything that was alive or is alive, um, even asking, is that okay? Like if any of you guys have a basil plant at home when you pick the leaves to put in your pasta or something... Have you ever thought to ask if that's okay um, before you take it? Because it took so much time to grow and it would it wants to be used. But I think also just asking and making it a communion would be much more powerful. 
my friend Mason, who's a farmer, mentioned this the other day about how plants want us to eat them. A lot of these plants, and especially fruit and anything with seeds, we're helping in theory if, if we weren't probably using sewer systems. But like our, our when we take that into our body, we're like spreading the seed of the plant, which was an important part of it, the same way the chipmunks do or any animal eating fruit is like that's actually can be a positive role in that cycle but you're right like it's looking at like what are we supposed to be eating right now and it might not be that out of season product that was imported that's wrapped in three layers of plastic and sprayed with innumerable amounts of of <laughs> pesticides <laughs> to allow it to grow that big without blemishes and then allow it to remain intact on a journey all the way to whatever the grocery store in Michigan. Right. I feel really grateful that we were able to do this together. Me too. Me three. (laughs) (laughs) Everything about this felt very divine, very divine, very meant to be. Mm -hmm. And part of me still was like, Oh, I wish I could have recorded not because it would make any sense later, but just to jog my memory. And I loved Cecily kept being like, Nope, (laughs) no devices. No recording. It won't matter. You won't, it won't be the same. So it's almost better and more organic if it just like comes up for you later and you spend time doing the harder work of meditating to let it come back to you maybe. I mean, I also, I can't lie and say I don't also want to record every bit of it and get to like maybe potentially relive an extra part that I forgot about. I just feel like the technology or anything very this century kind of grounds you um, out of the experience in a way. Like it brings you back to reality more. And my favorite part about doing psychedelics is leaving reality completely and taking time and all these constructs and stuff and just throwing them out the window. Like it just doesn't even exist anymore. 10 minutes can be a lifetime or four hours can be what seems like, you know, like the snap of a finger. So it's I like to leave that stuff behind. And then also, I don't know what the right word is, but not to be selfish with the information. There's so much that you get shown and we don't have the words for a lot of it, like we said earlier. So it's like, what are you going to take out of that? And yeah, we can't bring it all back as awesome as it would be because you're just so, you're like this fountain of knowledge and, and wisdom and just getting to like learn so much and just be in wonder and awe with everything. But yeah. Yeah, I felt I felt as if being present in that moment together was more important than any potential recording could ever be. I yeah. I thought we were all so in tune with the present moment uh, together, and it was really special. That's so true. It's like that was that alone was such a gift mm-hmm. to do that. I mean, you don't ever really in this in this day and age do something like that. Obviously, like without drugs or anything, you don't just go and spend these hours having these really in-depth conversations without any societal distractions Mm -hmm. at all. I mean, it's, yeah, it was such a gift. Yeah. I had to use air quotes when you said reality, like grounding you back in reality, because I have been like, but was that reality? Well, I think so, (laughs) Is this reality? Because I feel like this feels less reality to me than that did. That felt like extremely refreshing and clear and peaceful and it felt like time stopped and our 
it was really insane that the, even with the sun where it was in the sky, it felt like should have been more obvious to us how it's moving. But I felt like for a, a period, the sun stopped and just let us be and time and light and everything just kind of suspended. And I was worried because I'm like, I'm going to be hungry, you guys. <laughs> I was like, you're not even going to think about it. Yeah, I had a really hard time believing that. I'm like, are you sure, though? Do you know me? I love snacks. I like, (laughs) yeah, snacks. And then then come to find out, none of us even wanted to touch the snacks after because we were just like, that's going to end it. And we kept avoiding eating it. We finally did, and it was beautiful. Azul packed us this beautiful grounding bag that Bethany already explained, but it was a perfect way to ground in the experience together. Yeah. Yeah, and just really, yeah, appreciating. Complete the ceremony almost. Mm -hmm. Like, it completed the ceremony. It was beautiful. And dark chocolate softens the blow of coming back to reality. It's like, at least dark chocolate exists. (laughs) I think, hopefully for you, um, this has kind of expanded your reality a little bit and helped bring in more insight into what our reality stands to be. Yeah, I think, if anything, it motivates me to want to meditate more. I feel like I have a goal now with meditating and knowing what I want to achieve and not that I can achieve that, but just by taking deep breaths and remembering what it felt like to not have all of those meaningless thoughts bouncing around. What a great feeling that was. And when I've meditated previously, I have those little glimmers of moments that feel really peaceful and my thoughts slow down or maybe my brain can even feel kind of like empty for a minute and how good that feels but the interesting idea of being able to like once there's silence of tuning in and turning in something I've been practicing lately is not asking for advice when I really don't need it when I kind of know what my answer is when I know that when I ask for the advice I'm going to build a case in the way that I give information to get the result that I want maybe I can just acknowledge that and look at that and, and decide whether or not that's right myself like right now Instead of taking so much more space for it when you should just trust your inner guidance all the time, mm-hmm. if you can, if that's available, mm-hmm. to just to turn the in. highest truth for you. And trust. When I was going in and I think I was verbalizing as thoughts were coming clear to me and Caitlin was right there and was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, it's not. It's not scary in here. Everything is in here. The good, the bad, it's all here. Um, But it's not good or bad. It's just all, everything is okay. And not only that, but I think that we're so afraid of fully turning in and tuning in. We're so afraid of all of the things that are held deep inside of us that it's easier. The same way it's easier for me to think about climate anxiety than to talk about other types of anxiety the same is true for people who are building walls it's easier to pretend that there's something out there to be afraid of but the truth is we're probably afraid of something in here and it's something in here that we aren't dealing with that instead makes us want to keep others out physically geographically at our borders whatever it is like emotionally we're, we're, yeah it's like emotionally we're, we're keeping people out and we can put a lot of energy into like having those walls up to protect us But it's not because we're really afraid of, like, them. It's that we're afraid of ourselves. Yeah. Um, That's a hard one to put words to now. But 
that was important for me to remember. And that phrase, everything's okay, I said it a couple times to you guys when I was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then I'm like, but by the way, everything's okay. So even if you're like, you're feeling terrible or sad or whatever, that's okay. All of those feelings are okay. Mm -hmm. So it's weird. We have that saying that's so trite and meaningless, but it's now I think this weird, meaningful mantra I'm going to have is like, everything's okay. And it doesn't mean everything's fine and good and you have to hide your feelings, but it means that your feelings are okay. So share them. It's okay. They are. Yeah. yeah, you don't need to be ashamed. If you need to cry, you're, everything's okay. So it doesn't mean don't cry. It means cry. It means whatever you need to do. Yeah. Yeah, I remember on the trip saying that we go through so much pain avoiding our pain. I mean, that's been so true in my life. I feel like in relationships and with myself is I've like pushed people away or I've just felt I've imposed more pain on myself um, by holding people at arm's length and made it a very, very, um, internal experience. It rather when the last time I, um, did it like a medicine journey, I realized that it can be a much more tribal experience if you let it and that great, beautiful things can happen together. It doesn't have to be alone. And it was really cool then now that this time afterwards I got to go through and see some of my shadow side and, ex- and go into it with other people when normally I would always go into that by myself because I never wanted to impose it on another person or even let them see that part of me for fear that I would be rejected because of it. Um, so to get to do that again after together, it was actually an integration of my last experience on psychedelics. So that was really cool. And like Bethany said, everything was okay. I remember feeling all these dark, dark things and seeing dark things. And still, when we started this podcast, referred to that as fun because it was so great to do that work and to see that side of myself and to be okay with it, to be totally okay with it and to have people who around me also be okay with it. I think there's power in communities. There's power in the ways in which we can support each other. Yeah, it's like a muscle and you have to grow it and like work it out because <laughs> yeah. yeah if we just grow all the other muscles the muscles that it takes to tense up and hold your breath in then that becomes our strongest muscle if you can just practice relaxing how strong that could become when you don't have negative self-talk or even dare I say like positive self-talk like you're saying Cecily with working on loving yourself I have been trying to do this thing and I don't have any physical reminders around the house, but that if I see myself in the mirror and I don't have a ton of places where I pass a mirror during the day, but that when I do, if I catch my own eye to say, I love you, I love you, love you. And even though I'm just kind of kidding and it's kind of bizarre, I have actually been trying to do that and it has felt good because at first it felt like bullshit. Like you don't though, I don't. And I knew that. So it felt false to say it. And then I'm like, no, but I think it's important to something's going to lead and something else will follow. But practicing that muscle of even thinking that thought of I love you, if that could become real, how powerful. No, it's funny that you say that because I have a thing in my bathroom. I don't know if you read it. it. And yeah, so I do try to do that and I don't always stay consistent. But when I look at myself in the eyes and say something like I love you, Yeah, it feels weird to do, which I don't know why it does or why it should for anyone. 
Because of course, and, and when I think about it in a weird way, I'm like, I do love myself. I'm not super negative towards myself, but I guess I am. I, I don't know. I must have a distorted view because it does feel weird to say it to myself. And other people see that because people do have a bullshit radar. And when you don't love yourself, that's kind of contagious. Like I think to complain about your body or your looks or aging or mm-hmm. anything, when I do that, other people hear it. And when I think or act positively about myself, I'm giving them permission. And that is extremely powerful. And I've been on the side where I see a woman being really positive about herself. And my first instinct is to recoil from that because I can't do it. I couldn't do it yet. So like, what's the instinct? Is it to turn away from her or to judge her or to somehow put down that activity or to be afraid of it? respond negatively to a female who loves herself because there's fear because I can't yet so that is something that I've witnessed over I guess my late I don't know if that clicked with me in the last few years of how any instinct rejects some female who loves herself it's because I I'm not there yet but it's very empowering and I want to be empowering I want all of the people I know and love and don't know and love to love themselves. Mm -hmm. So I have to do it. That's how I feel even about standing in like my truth. Um, Honestly, instead of just going with whatever society says, instead of having a different opinion, if I do stand in my truth and maybe disagree or just speak my truth in a nice way, that that gives other people permission to also stand in their truth and to go against the status quo because clearly the status quo is not really super duper working out for any, any of us yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. I'm just like always like that will help give permission it's definitely a huge thing I'm still working on but it would help I think myself and the people around me mm-hmm. so can I ask how has your general climate anxiety been affected by this journey do you feel any better I think I do feel better. I feel more okay, like Bethany was saying. I feel maybe more hopeful, but also, yeah, I feel a different level of understanding about it and about myself, which is, I think, one of the biggest obstacles. Yeah, I think the paradigm shift that I'm going to have to keep and working on is that how doing good work is very connected. So I don't need to have a hierarchy of things I need to work on or causes. Yes, if you care about prison reform and if that is taking up more of my day than another kind of work or more of my mental energy or I've always had a little bit of a hierarchy of what my causes are in my brain. What are my top three things when I'm going to have time to give or to volunteer or to sign or share petitions or whatever it is? Is it more human? Is it more environmental? Is it wildlife? Like as though all of those things are really separate. And yeah. then how do I hierarchically dedicate my time? And in reality, it is so connected. And I don't need to create a hierarchy. I think I just need to really listen about where am I supposed to put my energy at any given moment. And hopefully... I will take more pause if I'm doing something that um, maybe I never even thought was negative before and change that behavior. I have a feeling I'm going to start recognizing that, oh, I really put a lot of emphasis on my recycling or whatever the action is. And maybe there are other ways, even just how I treat 
certain people and conversations. I can't predict what it is, but that's kind of my premonition right now. Maybe I do have to travel farther to do something with someone. And I could have said no because I feel like, oh, I've already driven a lot this week. Um, but maybe my decision-making will be more informed with turning in and really listening instead of trying to have a rubric for carbon math or a hierarchy for making decisions, I guess. That's a very complicated answer. I feel like I'm going to be a little bit complicated for a while. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. hard to put things into words. Yeah. How yeah. about you, Kate? I see it as I will still have lots of climate anxiety. I think we all will. But there are ways in which I can actively hold myself in a better light, I think. I think I, I get down about all the things that I'm doing wrong when now I can really focus on what I'm doing right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, like, what you said, Bethany, and what you said, Kate, a lot of it for me is getting the different level of awareness of what I can do, appreciating the earth more deeply again, and seeing how everything is actually connected and intertwined and not separate silos of categories. It seems like that could be overwhelming, but it's not to me. It's more like, okay, so if I could, I can start anywhere. Just making steps and progress is the big thing. And, I don't know, a little tidbit that we learned is that we can like just listen a little bit more, even to the rocks. <laughs> mm-hmm. They've got a lot to tell us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My reflex the next day was to go right back to that spot. Not that I thought that it would be the same, but I just wanted to be there. And I think that for coping mechanisms or tools and for people who are not interested or able to go on a mushroom journey, hopefully we've imparted a little bit of our learnings in a positive way about like how important it was to do research and to think really consciously about where we would be and who we would be with and have some conversations in advance in in advance of that day in advance of eating mushrooms in advance of I mean we knew each other before we decided to do this so we have a track record of being very real not nearly on this level uh, but just that you know we don't usually put up faces too much with each other being like yeah I'm good but I would say that having a track record of honesty with the people that you go with and then a lot of trust because you want to be fully vulnerable. I'm sure that I could have made myself less vulnerable, but Mm -hmm. it was so much more powerful because I was like, whatever comes out, comes out. And I felt super safe space with you guys and having a really positive way to come down from our journey with a piece of dark chocolate, something as simple as that as being like, okay, the sun's going down and the sunset was beautiful and it's time to go and um, being comfortable with you guys to be like, oh, I'm sad. And I'm like in a weird place the next day, you know, like telling you that is is powerful because I didn't want to just walk around and not have anyone to decompress with. Have it on your calendar to like reconnect with the people who you journeyed with. But if you are not going on a journey, as I was saying um the idea that you can go into a place that's really peaceful for you and give yourself enough time that you can try to make time stop because I think that's extremely important as much as getting away from like the exhaust of traffic and fumes and city noise I have found that I often think I'm doing the best thing if I go like pick up litter somewhere (laughs) so I might even opt for like a trail that needs cleaning and and that's a fine activity but it's hard to make it meditative 
And so giving myself permission to not go be productive, quote unquote, in that way, but to just go and commune and be quiet. And if it's hard for you, then like some really peaceful music or just lay there and listen to the sounds. I have already in my brain just thought of all the things I want to do now. And it's not all about going on another shroom journey. It's about just taking care of myself and knowing that that's also a part of taking care of the planet. Yeah, connecting. Mm-hmm. All of these small things that we can be doing, I'm, I'm thinking about now and I'm really holding myself to go and do. Yeah, I think that's one of the best things that you can do with a journey like this afterwards or in replacement of doing a journey like that is to actually just make things happen that you've been really wanting to do, whether that's going somewhere and spending time alone or maybe with some of your dearest friends or your family and making that space to reconnect and maybe deal with some of your shit. I really hope that anyone who has had the time and energy and space to listen to this whole conversation feels empowered to take care of themselves and know that it's all a part of the same planet. We're all part of the same universe and we all need each other to be taken care of. And if you do need help, that you reach out to people. We didn't even go down like the path of talking about mental health or how like any anxiety can make you depressed or affect your life negatively, but doing psychedelics isn't for everyone. The good news is all those other things that you can do, a lot of them are free, but we love you. If you're listening, we really appreciate that you did. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. We love you. Yeah, tell yourself that you love you too. Yeah, try it. Yeah, give it a shot. It might be weird, but that's okay. Hey, Caitlin here one more time to say truly thank you. This was a very personal recap of the start of a beautiful journey for the team here at Greenush. So we appreciate you coming along for the ride. When we look at something like climate anxiety, there is a ton of information that's coming out and it can be paralyzing. So we thought it was important to be proactive about getting over that fear and sharing that experience with you. Now, we are not advocating for everybody to go out and try psychedelics, but we are encouraging our followers to go out and reconnect with nature and the world around them. So please, we want to know, what have you been doing to combat climate anxiety? You can find us at our email at greenish at gobealive.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at greenish.podcast. And you can find us on LinkedIn, too. Greenish is a podcast made by Be Alive Studios with original music by Devin Anderson. This episode was edited by Caitlin Lovell and produced by Cecily Krieger, Bethany Scully, and Caitlin Lovell. Thanks for listening. See you next time.